Storms come in many shapes and sizes, but we're going to talk about that today. Not fellowshipping with your storm. Now, Mark 4, 35, uh, verse 35, let's start there. And um, let's read together. Now, I'm going to read two different stories to you about the Lord Jesus Christ and the disciples uh, encountering or, or going across the sea in a boat. So they're going on a cruise. They're going across the sea. And two different stories, two different times, but very similar events. Now let's read. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Well, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. That's a good idea. All right. They took him along just as he was. That's also a good idea. In the boat. And there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped, it began to sink. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, but he was sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, how many of you have ever said anything similar to that in your life? Tell the truth. You're in a storm, and how many of you have at least thought, don't you care if we drown. I'm going under, Lord. Am I talking to real people? Well, he got up, <clears throat> rebuked the wind. Wait a minute. He talked to the wind, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Well, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And, and guess that what their response was? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Are you ready? They had no idea who they were following. It's beginning to dawn on them right here. All right, now, this is actually Mark 6, not Mark 5, but it's Mark 6, verse 45, the second story. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. But after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. <clears throat> and when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake. In the middle, they were halfway across, <clears throat> and he was alone on land. But he looked out there, and he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them and about the fourth watch of the night he went out to them walking on the lake and he was about to pass by them but when they saw him walking on the lake they thought he was a phantasm is the greek word a ghost they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified here's the second experience in the middle of the sea both times the courageous disciples were panicked they were terrified, and immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed. Father, thank you for your word today. Help us through our own storms. I pray guide us through our own trials, and teach us, Lord, as you taught them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, Don't worry about your storm. God's got it. Storms come in many shapes and sizes, financial, marital, temptation, 
physical illness, storms come. They generally don't tell us they're coming. We don't get a letter from the storm center telling us a storm is coming. We wake up one day and the storm has arrived. And in these two stories, I want to read them both to you because there are striking similarities in both of them. Now, I believe when you read stories like this, they are loaded with spiritual truth. And when I say the word story, I don't mean a made-up fable or a myth or anything like that. I mean this is a genuine account of something that happened in history. And we learn from this many, many spiritual lessons, and I hope we get them today. Now, let me share some of the similarities with you. First, Jesus told them in both instances to get into a boat for a new destination. It wasn't their idea. It was his. He put them in the boat that led them into the storm. Now, here's the second thing I noticed. In both journeys, in both of them, from departure to destination, they encountered a problem. A sudden violent windstorm in the first one and a constant aggravating wind of resistance in the second one. Sound familiar? Third, in both journeys, their faith was discovered to be shaky at best. See, they, their faith looked great until they got into the storm or until they experienced that resisting wind that was blowing against them. Then the storm and the wind revealed faith that needed to be stronger. In the storm, they panicked. Facing the wind of resistance, they panted. The Bible says they were straining at their rowing, and the Greek word there means in pain or toiling or vexed. In their rowing, in their fighting against this resisting wind, they were vexed and they were in pain. Their muscles were aching. This was a difficult journey. It became difficult in the middle of the lake, halfway across, which is generally when things get difficult. They were straining. And then fourth, we see that in both accounts, the disciples experienced a life-changing revelation about Jesus Christ. Now, let me inform you today, church, that every one of us needs a bigger God. Are y'all out there today? Every one of us needs a bigger God. That is, we need our concept of God, our understanding of God, our perception of God, our faith toward God. We need all of that expanded and enlarged because the bigger your God is, the more you will do by faith. The Bible says that they that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. The more you know about God, the stronger your exploits and the more you will see by faith taking place around you. Now, does anybody in here want stronger faith? Anybody in here want to see some exploits in the name of Jesus Christ? I hope you do, because this church is going to do exploits for God by the grace of God and God willing, and that's my prayer, that this church rises up and shines and gives a testimony of Jesus that becomes a mighty exploit for God in this community and this state and this nation and this world. Now, Amen. So the first thing we see is this. And catch this, I'm learning from these two, these two accounts of what happened 
as they follow Jesus Christ in their life. First, I see Jesus is always leading us as his children to a new level of faith. The Lord is never going to leave your faith the way it is. The Lord is never going to say to you, way to go, child of God, you have arrived. He's always going to be increasing our faith. Listen, the Bible says, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, we all are being transformed into the same image, the image of Jesus, how from glory to glory. And that tells me that we go from one level of glory to the next level of glory to the next level of glory, from faith to faith and glory to glory. The normal Christian life is never stagnant. And if your Christian life is stagnant, you need to call out on God because that's not normal. The normal Christian life is always climbing upward. The path of the just, the Proverbs say, is as the shining light that shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So we're not stagnant, but we are moving onward and upward in our walk with Jesus Christ. The Lord is never going to leave your faith where it is today. Though your faith is fine today, it's going to be strengthened. It's going to be tried. Now, it was He who commanded them into the boat. Wasn't their idea? It was His. Million dollar question. Do you believe Jesus knew what they were going to encounter in the middle of that sea? Well, of course He did, because He is God. And so being God, He knows the end from the beginning. So when He said, bye-bye, have a great trip, in the second journey, the first journey he was in the boat. Second journey he walked out to them and got into the boat in the middle of the lake. But both times, Jesus is the one that put them in the boat that led them into the storm. And as the disciples crossed a normal sea, we're all crossing the sea of life. Our ultimate destination is heaven. And like theirs was, our journey is going to hold some storms. The Lord never promised us a rose garden. Every rose has its thorns. If you're walking with the Lord, you're going to have some storms. And guess what? When your storm hits, God knew that it was coming. He saw it from a distance. And I got news for you today. He will not shield you from the storm, but He will walk through the storm with you. Our ultimate destination is heaven. We are going to see some storms. We are crossing the sea of life. And just like them, there's not only going to be some storms, but there's going to be some stretches of calm. And there's going to be seasons of loneliness where the Lord may seem far away, as He did to His disciples when He was asleep in one instance, and in the next instance, He was on the shore while they were in the middle of the sea. He seemed far away. And there will be times when you're in a storm, and God seems far away. It seems like the heavens are brass and you wonder where He is. There's going to be hours of perplexity in your journey across the sea of life. Like the disciples experienced when they cried, Lord, don't you care that we perish? We don't understand, Lord, what you're doing. There will be hours and times and seasons when you and I look up 
And we say, Lord, I don't get it. And when you don't understand his hand, you learn to trust his heart. And there will be seasons when it seems we're up against endless winds of resistance. And all of our rowing and all of our toiling and all of our labor will appear to be getting us nowhere. Ever felt that way? I sure have. Have you ever felt like you took one step forward and then two steps back? And your life seems frustrating and you wonder what's going on and everything seems to be a battle? Take heart. That's exactly what they experienced in the middle of this sea. Yet the Lord has placed us in the boat and we have departed the shore. Now the second thing we see in these two accounts is this. Between the departure and the arrival, their faith was challenged and their faith was stretched. When the Lord tells you, launch out, let's go to the other side, and He gives you a goal. He gives you a dream. He gives you a vision. And he says, let's go. Between the departure and the arrival, your faith is going to be challenged and your faith is going to be stretched or the Lord has not led you. On the first journey, we're told the huge storm came up, waves poured into the boat, threatening to sink it, the Message Bible says. They felt like the boat was sinking. Ever felt like your boat was sinking? Like your marriage was sinking, like your money was sinking, like your health was sinking, like your faith was sinking. The storm tested their trust in the one who had told them to get into the boat. They cried out, teacher, is it nothing to you that we're going down? Now, they trusted him till they hit the storm. And when they hit the storm, they began to wonder about him. Don't you care that we're sinking? Don't you care that we're going down? What are you doing asleep in our storm? You act like you don't even care. We're sinking. Don't you see it? Don't you care? Don't you realize that we're about to drown? But of course they weren't because Jesus was in the boat. Listen, when Jesus is in your boat, you are not going to drown. When Jesus is in your boat... It may look like things are out of control. It may look like, look like chaos has set in. But the day and the hour and the moment will come when Jesus Christ stands up and handles your storm. When Jesus is in the boat, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's why wherever you go in life, you better take him with you. Is he in your financial boat? Is he in your marriage boat? Is he in your child-rearing boat? Is he in your soul? Because once he's there, you're okay. They trusted him enough to get into the boat, but their trust began to fail in the storm. But ultimately, there in the boat with a violent storm raging all around, when things were in chaos and the wind was screaming in their ears, when they had lost all control and could not save themselves, they learned that Jesus was still in charge. It's a good day when you realize you can't save yourself. Because can I give you some news today? You can't save yourself right now. You cannot save yourself, sir. You can't save yourself, ma'am. Business person out there listening to me, you think with all of your money and all of your success and all of your status that you cannot sink. That's what they said about the Titanic. They called it unsinkable. There is nothing man makes that cannot sink. But there is nothing God blesses that can sink. 
You've got to trust God. So in the storm, they learn he's still in charge. But guess what? Just a couple of chapters later, he tells them to get into another boat. I'm a little paranoid to get in this time, if I'm them. But he says, let's get into another boat. And then in the second journey across the sea again, they were met not with a storm, but with a wind. It says, a wind that came up against them and were struggling and made them struggle in their rowing. A wind directly came against them, rowing across that sea. Remember, they got into the boat in obedience. They left shore in obedience. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And in the middle of the journey, they met resistance. That's why the Bible says, don't think it a strange thing when you encounter a fiery trial. If you're walking with God, there's going to be resisting winds. There's going to be fiery trials. Sometimes that's the clearest sign that you're in obedience to Him. Suddenly there is this wind, and they're rowing. These are strong, lifelong fishermen, but they can't get anywhere. The first storm tested their trust. The second storm tested their perseverance. Rowing with oars, it seemed with every attempt to move forward, the wind blew them back. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I sure have. That you're sitting there, you're doing what God told you to do. You are where he told you to be. And yet here comes this resisting wind. It suddenly begins to blow against you. And you are rowing and you are rowing and you are applying your faith. And you're seeking and you're trying and you're pushing. But that wind blows you back and blows you back. And it feels like you're stuck at the halfway point. Like you're stuck in the middle. And you don't know what to do. Their strength was fading and their patience was at the breaking point. And I would say that most of the trials we experience serve one of these two purposes. They test our trust in Him or they test our perseverance as we go in the direction the Lord has told us to go. If that's your experience, that's normal Christianity. But without the storm and the wind, listen to me, they'd have never seen that he was greater than both of them. If they had never experienced the storm and the wind, they would never have realized that their God, their Christ, their Messiah, their Jesus was stronger than the storm and stronger than the wind. As the old song says, if I'd never had a problem, I'd never known that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word could do. I like cycling, and I've learned something about cycling. I used to dread the hills. When I would see the big, long hill coming, i said, say, oh, no, is there another way around this thing? But usually, no, there's not another way around it. You've got to go up it, and you strain, and you push, and you struggle. But guess what? It's those hills that make your legs strong. And now I've got a hill. It's the worst hill in the whole ride. And I've gotten to where I go, all right, here comes my favorite hill. Here we go. Because I know that going up that hill is going to do me more good than a whole ride level with the wind behind me. Because it's in resistance that we grow. It's in resistance that we flourish. It's in resistance that our faith becomes stronger. So rejoice that your God is in charge. He knows exactly what he's doing with you and me. As I've studied these two accounts, 
I am convinced that the purpose of the storm and the purpose of the wind was to provide the disciples a revelation about Jesus that enlarged their understanding of who he really was. You ask people on the street out there, who's Jesus? Well, he was a first century kind of hippie guy, walked around in sandals, long hair parted down the middle, beard, nice blue eyes, kind of good looking guy that said neat things, something about the golden rule. That's the way they see him. They don't realize that he's the Alpha and the Omega. They don't realize that he's the soon coming king. They don't realize that the entire universe is being held together by the word of his power. That if he spoke, every atom in every thing in this universe would fly apart. That he is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. They don't really understand who Jesus was, or they wouldn't use his name as a curse word. But these disciples began to follow him because he said, I want you to follow me. Come on, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Well, that sounded pretty cool. I'm going to become a fisher of men, whatever that means. But I'll follow him because he's a very compelling guy. And they began to follow him. But when they first started following him, I assure you, they did not know. They did not fully grasp at all who he really was. But now they're learning. They were getting a revelation about Jesus that enlarged their understanding of who he really was. Because in the first boat journey, just on the other side, at their destination, would be a demon-possessed man filled with evil spirits, frightening to the entire town. And they would need to know who they were walking with. So before God leads you to your next level and to your next assignment, He's going to enlarge your understanding of who He is. And in the second journey, when they got to the other side, there was a massive crowd waiting for them, full of sick people. How could they have encountered these two challenges unless they had had a bigger God in their understanding? In the first journey, it says Jesus commanded the storm to stop. He arose, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Hush! And the Greek is literally, Be quiet! He says to the howling wind. And the wind stopped. And there was immediately a great calm, perfect peacefulness. Now, I'm picturing the disciples at this moment. They're in the boat. They have just accused him of letting them drown. He stands up, rubs his eyes. Be quiet, he says to the wind. And this howling, screaming wind stopped. And then he looks at the waves and says, stop your rolling. And they turn into a glassy calm, perfect for a ski boat. Their eyes got as big as saucers. Are you with me, church? All of a sudden, their understanding of him was cranked up many, many notches. And they asked the million-dollar question, are you ready? Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? I believe that Jesus Christ allowed the storm so that they would ask that question. He wanted them to ask that question. Who is this? Suddenly their understanding of him was stretched and it was expanded. Their God got bigger on the other side of their storm and your God always will. When you get to the other side of your storm, you will always have a concept of a bigger God, stronger God, mightier God, a healing God, a providing God. And let me give you the answer to their question, who can this be? Here's the answer, God in flesh. 
God wrapped in skin. God. In the beginning it was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was. The Logos was God. In the second account, Jesus came walking to them on the water. The Bible records, I love this out of the Message Bible, at about 4 o'clock in the morning, after rowing all night long, it's 4 in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. He intended to go right by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they screamed, scared out of their wits. But the Lord didn't leave them in the valley of confusion or floundering in fear. Jesus was quick to comfort them, the Bible says, and he said, take courage, it's me, don't be afraid. And as soon as he climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and they were stunned, shaking their heads, wondering the revelation they received. He's God in flesh. He's not subject to natural law. He made gravity. He can ixnay gravity. If he wants to walk on water, he can walk on water and defy gravity. So they looked at him, and for the second time in two chapters, they said, who is this? Who are we following? What in the world? God in flesh. There's nothing I can't do. There's no place I can't take you. There's no demon greater than me. There's no evil greater than me. There's no flesh greater than me. There's no problem greater than me. I am God in flesh. So storms and trials come to stretch our faith deep in our spiritual wells and teach us things about Jesus we would never have known otherwise. If you'd never had a financial test, you'd have never seen that He's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. If you'd have never gone through that stormy trouble, you'd have never seen that He was Jehovah Shalom, your peace. If you hadn't needed guidance and direction, you'd have never discovered that He was Jehovah Rohi, your shepherd. Whatever your storm is today, I promise you on the other side, you're going to have a revelation of Jesus you didn't have before. Amen. You married folks and you ladies, look at that beautiful diamond on your finger. What is it? It's just a former chunk of coal transformed under pressure. See, you're like a tea bag. You'll never know what's in you till you get into some hot water. I guarantee you. You will never know what's in you till you get into some hot water. Your faith is like a tea kettle. It sings best when the water is boiling and the pressure rises. You never know how far you can go and how strong you really are till a storm brings the faith out in you. Now let me summarize this. On our journey across the sea of life, the Lord can be counted on to do this. Lead us to a new level of faith. He'll allow problems. He will allow problems that challenge and stretch our faith. And working through those problems by faith will lead to fresh revelations of who he is. And I want to say one last thing about these two accounts, and then we're going to go. This is very, very important. As a matter of fact, it's one of the major, main, primary messages from these two stories. We learn not to fellowship with our storm. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Jeff? As long as the disciples focused on the violent winds and the waves, they were filled with fear and frustration. Listen, Satan wants you to fellowship with your storm. He wants you looking at it, thinking about it, talking about it, listening to it, dwelling on it, because as long as you are storm-focused, you're defeated. 
The disciples saw when they looked at the storm, there's no hope. Our faith is beginning to fade and I'm spiraling into despair as long as I'm focused on my marital storm, the temptation storm, the financial storm, whatever it is that has come my way. As long as I'm focused on it, talking about it, listening to it, I'm defeated. But as soon as they turned their eyes onto Jesus Christ, things immediately changed. Listen, if you fellowship with your storm, you focus on what you're going through. There's some people like that. How you doing? Oh, I'm just going through a storm, brother. Really? Isn't that what you were going through last time I saw you? Yeah. But boy, this storm's vicious. That wind is howling. Those waves are beating on the house of my faith. It's terrible. It's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. If you fellowship with your storm, you focus on what you're going through. But if you fellowship with him, you focus on what you're going to. I've had plenty of storms in my life. Let me tell you what the Lord has done with every one of them. This is how he got me out. At first, all you can think about is your storm. What's happening around you, the way the wind is howling, the voices of people, how bad it looks, how grim it seems. And you begin to make certain forecasts over your own life. I'll never get through this. I'll never survive this. I will never reach the other side. Well, yeah, the Lord told me to get in the boat, but something has gone bad wrong. Every time when I would go out and begin to get into the Word, the Lord would take my eyes off the storm, and I would quit fellowshipping with the storm, and He would get me to fellowship with Him, talking to Him, focused on Him, listening to Him. Whose report will you believe when you're in the middle of a storm? The voice of the storm or the voice of the Lord? And every time that I would listen to the Lord, He would get my eyes off of what I was going through and onto what I'm going to. <clears throat> See, you don't need to dissect your storm or psychoanalyze your storm or put your storm under a microscope. You don't even have to fully understand it. There are storms that have happened in my life I don't understand to this day. I don't need to. As soon as the disciples made contact with Jesus and got their eyes off the storm, he arose and things began to change. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you, the prophet said. So I've got a word today for the storm-tossed and the fearful and the frustrated. The God who commanded you to get into the boat in the first place is going to get you to the other side. He wants to show himself mighty in your storm. He's going to take you deeper in him. He's going to enlarge your understanding of him. And he's going to fix your focus on what you're going to. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not staying here. I'm going to the other side. I'm going to another level, to a higher place, to a stronger walk, to stronger faith. That's where I'm going to. Can we stand together? How many of you needed this today? How many of you are experiencing a storm right now? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. How many of you can say, I've, I've been fellowshipping with it a little bit, and I know what you mean. Well, I'll tell you, fellowshipping with those storms will sure keep you down. 
But you know what? The Lord is here right now. And He's going to redirect our faith right now. And we're going to turn our faith onto Him. And He's going to point us to what we're going to. He's always taken me to the other side, to the destination. The Lord's going to get you there, friend. The Lord's going to get you there. You are going to arrive at the other side. He's got it. Can we lift our hands to Him? And I want you to say, Lord, I give you my storm. This raging storm, the howling wind, the rolling waves, the fear, the frustration, the uncertainty, the sinking feeling. I roll it onto you. I give it to you. You speak to it. And I trust you in the storm, Lord. Now say to him, I know you're going to get me to the other side. Now worship him a minute. Oh, I surrender all. I surrender all. Yes, Lord. All to thee, my blessed Savior, surrender lift your hands and sing it one more time and do it today i surrender oh let it go let it go give him the storm let it go thank you lord and i surrender all yes 